You've been listening to the weekly sermon from the Vine Church in Madison, Wisconsin, a spirit-filled family that makes disciples and plants churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. For more information and service times, check out our website at www.thevinemadison.org. is calling his people to be who he's made them to be, a, a distinct community. And this morning as we continue in, in chapter 6, I was actually thinking of, of a comic strip. It, it came to mind as I was reading this passage. Uh, I love comics, especially Kevin and Hobbes, but this one's from Baby Blues, which is a, a great comic strip. It's a, a mom and dad with three kids, all under seven. So it's just a lot of everyday hilarious humor. And in one of them, the dad, Daryl's lying awake at night and he's thinking. And he goes... Five people divided by two bathrooms. We need a bigger house. I got to get the van's brakes fixed. How am I going to pay for that? Should we have gotten that adjustable rate mortgage? I don't know. How am I going to pay for three kids for college? And his wife, Wanda, rolls over and goes, Daryl, are you still awake? Yeah. Ironically, I can't sleep because we're living the American dream. Ironically, can't sleep because you're living the American dream. And there's a, a bit of humor there because we know that all too well. In fact, this morning I was just checking again some statistics. And the U.S., with all of its wealth, with all of its comforts, uh, has an anxiety problem. The National uh, Mental Health Institute says that about 30% of adults will struggle with major anxiety at some point in their life. 30%. That's like one out of three of us here this morning. It's a lot. And that shows that it's not just a big cultural problem out there, but anxiety is a very personal problem, right? Uh, It shows up in different ways. What we're anxious about might be different. For some, there's anxiety around health. For others, there can be anxiety around travel. For others, there can be anxiety about how much to get done the next day or where the finances are going to come from or the kids. But there are many things that can lead us to be tempted to be anxious. And there are They're all common, and yet they're all individual and unique. And this morning, as Jesus is talking about what it looks like to be his people, he's going to tackle this issue of anxiety. And he's going to invite us to really see what's at the roots of the tree that produces anxiety. And then he's going to help us not just have some program to fix it, but he's going to help us see the grace and help he brings to address the heart of anxiety to really help meet us in our need. So let's pray, ask us, God, to help us this morning, okay? Father, thank you so much that you are so gracious to give us just this beautiful day, the chance to be together, the chance to hear your word. But I'm just really aware, God, that there are many people, even here this morning right now, who come in burdened, who come in with their hearts full of anxiety and you want to graciously meet them this morning and offer help and grace. Father, I'm just aware of my own weakness and so I pray for your help to speak your words and only your words this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. Let me read from Matthew chapter 6 starting at verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore... I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father cares for them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Well, before we dive in this passage and look at Jesus really diagnosing the heart of anxiety, I just wanted to acknowledge that anxiety is something that while many people struggle with, there are certain people that will struggle with them more than others. And whether that's due to genetics, whether that's due to the home environment you grew up in, whether it's due to the current circumstances you're in, whatever it is, there are some where it's particularly challenging, where it's particularly burdensome where it weighs and and comes more often. And and the world often says that the answer is just a, a pill that will fix everything, but there's no pill that will fix it all. But let us neither too quickly not miss that there can be physical helps for anxiety. Jesus isn't going to talk about that this morning. But I just want to acknowledge that God made us as physical and spiritual beings. We're not disembodied spirits. For pain and sharing bowels, we know that Our physical bodies affect our emotions and our mindset often. I mean, if you've had several days of not a lot of sleep, you know how sleep deprivation can mess with you, right? We've all experienced that probably. So our physical things can affect us. And so it's not bad faith or little faith to say that maybe there can be help in terms of good sleep or exercise or diet or even asking for medical help. That's not bad theology, It's not weak faith. It's an acknowledgement of who we are, how God made us, physical and spiritual. It's an acknowledgement that sin has corrupted our world physically and affects our minds and our bodies in physical ways too and not just our hearts. And so there can be help for that. There can be grace from God for us in that. But even as we press in, sometimes asking for that physical help, let's not miss the heart of anxiety. And that's what Jesus wants to draw our attention to. That if we just pay attention to the physical and miss the spiritual diagnosis that Jesus is going to bring, we are never going to be able to see lasting change for anxiety. So let's now dig into what Jesus wants to speak into our lives today. You might have heard it, but three times in this passage, Jesus says, do not be anxious. It's a command, but I I really think of it more as an invitation. Jesus is coming to us and he's saying, I want to invite you to a different way of responding. Now, let's be clear, Jesus and God in the Bible never, ever denies the difficulties of life, that it's hard, that there's challenges in a broken world. Um, there are challenges. It's hard. We don't have to deny that, 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 that reality. 
as we seek to be not anxious and trust him. But before we talk about what it means to not be anxious, I want to just pause and ask, what is anxiety? Anxiety, right, is this, this reaction. We, we look to the future a little ways ahead, and we see a, a potential problem coming on the horizon. Maybe there's a lack of something. Maybe there's an obstacle coming, and we recognize it's going to be difficult and hard, and we're not sure if we have the resources to meet it. And so our mind and body says, alerts, warning. There's something coming. We don't know how to deal with it. And so a sense of unease or even fear kind of grows up, right? What's going to happen? I'm not sure. On one hand, this is God's good design, that we don't blindly walk into difficulties, but our bodies and minds go, alert, pay attention, be careful. But the thing about anxiety that is not as helpful is anxiety doesn't provide a solution to that. That initial alert system doesn't tell us how to fix those things. It doesn't even tell us if those problems are actually as big as we think they are. It just says, alerts, pay attention. And it's after that point that I think there's two roads that emerge, two, two different ways to respond. One way is to stay stuck in anxiety. It would be the opposite of don't be anxious. It would be be anxious, right? You, you get stuck. You're, you're looking at the next day's tasks, and you, you're rehearsing it over and over and over again in your mind. How many things are to do, how little time there's to do it, and you just rehearse over and over and over and over and over again, and you get stuck or you think about the upcoming trip and you see all the possibilities of how it could go wrong and your mind gets stuck there and you rehearse it over and over and over and over and over again. Your mind gets fixated on these problems and you get stuck there and you can't seem to get past it. It's like you're the, 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 the range of focus of your view just gets really narrow and all you can see is the couple things that lie ahead and the challenges they bring and you're stuck. Jesus, I think, hints at this in verse 25 when he says, Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You've gotten stuck. Your your view got so narrowed into these couple of things and you're missing that there's actually way bigger picture of what's actually going on in life. There's way more going on. There's a bigger reality. There's a bigger range of view to pay attention to, but you've gotten stuck there. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus doesn't come along and bash us over the head. He doesn't say, how pathetic, just come on, grab more faith, don't be anxious, stop it. Do you like being anxious? Just stop it, right? He doesn't come along and do that. No, he's so gentle and he comes along and says, look, I want to come and bring help for you. Remember, he just told us as followers, we looked at it last week, don't treasure up things on earth. Treasure up the things that last in eternity. And so you can see maybe his followers going, but wait a minute, if we don't spend all of our time treasuring up and making sure we're cared for, who will? Are we going to be left empty? Are we going to be left abandoned? Are we going to have lack? And Jesus wants to say, no, you're not alone. I'm going to show you, you're not alone in this. It's not just you and what you bring to the table. Because see, anxiety looks at the future and is trying to figure out how to fix it on our own. We look at the obstacles and we look at our own resources and rightly we say, we cannot see how it's going to come together. We can't fix it. Jesus says it in this way in verse 27. Which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? 
Or to put another way, which of you by being anxious can fix anything? The answer is no one. We, we can't fix it. We, we rightly see that we are incapable of dealing with it. So Jesus invites us to a different path. Instead of looking ahead at the potential problems and problems coming on our own, we can look at them and trust that someone else will be with us to face them. He's saying there's two ways to respond. There's anxiety can show that your heart thinks of itself as an orphan. See, an orphan is by themselves. They have no one to care for them, no one to provide for them. They're left to manage their own life. They don't know where the next meal will come from, maybe, or where they'll sleep at night because no one is there to help them. They are alone. But how different a child. A child in a loving home. I know we, we haven't all had those experiences, but we can imagine, if we've had rough experiences, that in a loving home, a child doesn't have anything to fear. They'll be provided for. My kids love to wake up early, and we have a rule that they can't leave their room until 7 o'clock when the wake-up clock turns green so we, so we can sleep, right? And my kids, they just play until 7 a.m. They're not worried or anxious because they know that when 7 a.m. comes and they wake up mom or dad, that someone will provide breakfast because they're not orphans. And Jesus is saying, that's what I'm offering you, a chance to recognize that maybe actually there's someone who cares for you as a father, that you're not left alone. And so Jesus says the key is to have a different way of thinking, a different way of seeing. And so in verse 26, he says, look, don't just look at the problems, look around. And I love how Jesus doesn't go to some abstract spiritual truth. He literally says, look out your window at the birds. Look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Right? I mean, have, I'm guessing none of you at all in your life have ever seen a bird come to a patch of your yard, weed it, plant seeds, come back daily to water and weed it, harvest it later, bring the seeds inside, make themselves supper. I'm guessing you've never kind of walked into Costco or some other store and seen like a flock of birds fly in, load up their cart with groceries and head home, right? You haven't seen that. Because they don't have to. God provides for them. Now, they're not passive. They don't just sit in their nest with their mouths open, right? They go and look for the food. But ultimately, everything they eat is provided by God. They don't grow any of the food they eat. And yet God takes care of them. He watches over them. Or think about in verse 28 and 29, says Jesus, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Jesus says, look at the flowers. I'm sure you've gone into maybe a meadow and just seen like a whole score of beautiful flowers, right? And it's this beautiful, beautiful thing. But I'm guessing none of you have ever like walked into a meadow to see flowers like stashing their sewing machines out of view because they're using them to make beautiful clothes, right? They don't, they don't do that. They don't make clothes. They just grow. And they look better than most of you dressed up today, right? So that's what Jesus is saying. Even Solomon, all the fanciness we do, the simple beauty of a flower without any work provided by God. God takes care of them. He watches over them. And so in both of them, Jesus says, but how much more valuable are you? That's what he said with the birds, right? How much more valuable are you than them? And with the flowers, he says, 
if they're, are, if they're alive today and tomorrow gone, thrown into the oven, burned up, how much more will he clothe you? These aren't eternal things. They're gone like that. And yet, every one of you made in the image of God with an eternal soul, how much more, Jesus says, will not God the Father care for you? The birds do not call him Father. The lilies don't call him Father. But Jesus uses the term Father for God for us. Your heavenly Father cares. So look around, says Jesus. The evidence is there. Look to creation and see how God cares for us, provides, sustains. But maybe at this point, some of you say, but actually, that's not what I see when I look around. When I look around the world, I don't see provision, I see lack. I see brokenness. I see the homeless. I see single moms struggling to get by. I see refugees. Where is God's provision there? It's a good question. It's a fair question to face. Why is there sometimes lack in this world? Over and over in the pages of Scripture, we hear the answer. It's not because the Father has abandoned us. It's because we, collectively as a human race, have walked away from the Father. We said, no thanks, Dad. I don't want to live in your home under your authority, under your good rules, and receive your provision. I want to go out on my own, live life my way, make it on my own. And the fruit of that is all the lack and brokenness we see. And yet, over and over in the pages of the Bible, across the history of humanity, we see God the Father not come down. See, told you so. Now you gotta, you've made your bed, lie in it. But God the Father causes the sun to shine again on both the just and the unjust. He causes the rain to fall on the wicked and the good. He still shows his kindness and his care over and over and over again. The early church father, Augustine, used to say, some people say, how can there be a good God when there's so much evil in this world? But I say, how could God be evil when there's so much good in this world? What are your eyes seeing? What are your eyes paying attention to? And if you struggle to see God's kindness and goodness in creation, there's one other spot where you can see it. It's Jesus who told us, look around at creation. See your Father's care would demonstrate the Father's care for us. Jesus, the man that spoke these words, who had never done anything wrong, allowed himself showing the Father's heart of compassion to be crucified on a cross for people that hated him, for you and me. If you want to say, where's the Father's love for us? The Father would say, look, I gave you my son. We just sang those lines, right? And heaven has no more to give. He gave it all to show his care. He said, I'm not going to leave this world in its brokenness. I'm going to send my son to die. 
to rescue and restore people back into my family, into adoption, to one day roll back all the curses of sin so this world will be perfect and made new again. I'm not leaving the world. I'm digging my heels in even more, and I will send my son. That's the Father's care and provision for us. The Apostle Paul, writing later, points us out in Romans 8, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? He gave up his son. He knows our needs. He wants to move towards us. It's not that there's a lack of evidence in this world that the Father cares. It's that our eyes are often blind to see it. We struggle to see it for various reasons. And so Jesus says in verse 30, O you of little faith. You're so quick to not see. Open your eyes. Look around. Because faith is the opposite of anxiety. Anxiety looks at the future and says, how can I fix this myself? And faith looks into the future and says, I can't fix that. And so I'm going to trust someone else to. Yeah, the problem's big. I know I need help. So I'm going to trust someone else to walk with me and care for me. Anxiety looks ahead and all it sees is the problems. Faith looks ahead and sees the one who made everything standing further ahead on the trail and saying, I'll be with you there. Just like I've been with you here and I was with you back there. I'm not going to leave you. I'm never going to leave you. That's the eyes of faith. See, faith doesn't just look at the problems, but it opens up its gaze and looks around and up to see God the Father's care in creation, but ultimately in Jesus. That's what faith does. Jesus invites us to that response, saying, Look around. The planets are still in motion. The stars are still in their course. Animals are born and raised and eat food all over the world every day. Your father is doing a good job of caring for this world. Let that build faith in you. Let it inspire you to depend and trust on him instead of yourself. And remember, faith doesn't deny that life is hard. Faith doesn't mean that we'll never be nervous. Faith doesn't mean that we're never worried. Faith doesn't mean that we might not have a panic attack. But what faith means is in those moments, we run back to God and say, I need you. I'm weak. I'm so needy. Help. You're my only hope. Help. First Peter 5 puts it so beautifully. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's not that you don't have anxieties. It's that you cast them on him who cares for you. And how we cast it on him is through prayer. Paul in Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And he promises that God's peace will be with us. He says, if you don't want to be anxious, then pray and pray with thanksgiving and let your prayers be made known to God. Those are all different words for prayer. He's like, pray, pray, pray. Call out to your Father and call out with thanksgiving. 
Say, God, I'm so grateful you hear me. Father, I'm so thankful you are a father. I'm not alone. Father, thank you for how you've been with me before. Father, thank you for how in this really hard situation I see one glimmer of how you're with me. Help me then to trust you with all the unseen. And as you pray that way with thanksgiving, it trains your heart to see the Father's hand at work even in the dark. You begin to see more and trust more. See, what's going to help you have faith is not mustering it up in yourself. It's looking to God the Father's care and provision around you in nature, in your life, and ultimately in the cross and saying, I see that God is a faithful God who will provide. So I can trust him. I can trust him. But it's not just that we sometimes struggle to, to trust God. Jesus even presses a little bit deeper now. He says often we're anxious too because we actually love the wrong treasure. Remember last week he talked about not treasuring up the things of earth because then your heart will be there and it becomes your master. You become devoted to it. Your whole life orbits around. When that happens, of course you're going to be anxious. You're going to lose it because it will rust away. Thieves can break in and steal it. Whatever you treasure here can be taken from you. So of course you're anxious, says Jesus. Look at verse 31. He says, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after all these things. It's those who don't know God as a father that are worried about all these things. Because they don't know God as father. They're anxious. But your father invites you to trust him to pursue the best thing. So the two things are connected. We often struggle to trust God because deep down, if we're honest, we're worried that he'll take away our treasure. So we, we want to say we trust God, but as one songwriter says so, so poetically, I say to God, I trust you to provide with one hand in a pot of gold and the other at your side. I'm going to trust you, God, as long as I can still kind of hold on to my treasure here. I, I don't want to let go because I don't know what will happen. And frankly, that's a really uncomfortable place to be pulled between two things. It's not trust. We're scared. Really trust God. But Jesus says, I have a better option than an uncomfortable, anxiety-driven place. It says in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He says the way to peace and trust is to seek my kingdom, to seek living for me, to enjoy me more, to, and then to trust me to provide what you need. It's really a living out of the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? You start with Father, our Father. Not God, not Master, Father. We know He cares for us. That's where we start. Your name be honored. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's all praying about seeking first the kingdom. And then after that comes, oh, and as I seek first your kingdom, would you provide the bread I need for today? Would you help me to forgive as I've been forgiven? Would you help guard me from temptation? Would you help protect me from the evil one? And you trust your father that as you put the first things first, he takes care of all the second things. He'll care for you. 
And I love how here, again, Jesus isn't out to shame us, but he's out to point us to our Father's heart. To say, look at your Father's heart. Pursue living for him and being in relationship with him, and then everything else will be taken care of. Otherwise, the only other option is verse 34. You can be anxious about tomorrow, but tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I mean, don't we have enough troubles today? Isn't it someone's hard enough today just to trust God and live for him? Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Follow me today. Pursue me today. Trust me today. I'll worry about tomorrow. Now, what I love about this passage, Jesus is saying the problem of anxiety is not solved by some magic program. There's not seven easy steps. Actually, the solution to anxiety is a person. It's the person of God the Father. He says, the answer to your anxiety is not what I can give you, but it's drawing near to me. Knowing I care for you. Being in relationship with me. Knowing I will walk with you and never leave you. That is the solution. So let's think about this maybe practically. Imagine your, your job situation you're anxious about. Maybe it's that you haven't been, you've been struggling to really do the job well. Maybe uh, there's word on the street that company might merge and there could be pink slips handed out. Whatever it is, there's some anxiety. And option one is to be anxious about it, to go to bed every night, worried about it, maybe staying up late, going online, trying to search for other jobs just in case the pink slip comes, not getting enough sleep, being at work and around the coffee, you know, with the other coworkers saying, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm so anxious too, and you're stuck. Or what if you woke up in the morning and you hear the birds, you say, God, thank you so much that you care for the birds. And you open your Bible, and you read in there of God the Father's care for his people at some point in history. You remember, oh yeah, God watches over his people. And you take a couple minutes to pray. And maybe it sounds like this, God, I'm so scared about today. I don't know what today is going to bring. I'm afraid that at the end of the day I'm going to get a pink slip, and I don't know how I'm going to come home with that. I don't know what's going to happen. But Father, you've promised to watch over me. So I'm asking you, help me. Help me to believe you're going to provide. Help me to trust you, Father, when it feels hard right now. Father, thank you for three months ago when I saw your provision here. And and Father, thank you for a year ago when I saw your hand here. And Father, thank you for Jesus. I know that whatever else, I will not lose your affection today. So Father, would you help me today at work to live like Jesus? Would you help me to work hard to honor you regardless of how I feel? Would you help me, Father, today to go in and not grumble about anything, but for my words to be full of thanksgiving and building up and encouraging? Father, would you give me eyes to see how I might encourage my coworkers today who are struggling with anxiety and point them to the hope I have? Father, would you give me opportunities to share the gospel today? Father, again, I don't know what today brings. Would you help me to trust you? And you eat breakfast, and you either bike to work or take the bus or drive, and you go to work with a different mindset, don't you? None of the circumstances have changed. Maybe you do get that dreaded pink slip at the end of the day, 
but your heart's been readied for it because your heart is resting in your Father's care for you. You're not facing the day alone. You know your Father's going to be with you every step of the way, regardless of what comes. And that's what provides rest. Because remember, it's not a denial of the hardship of life. Jesus said over and over again, you will have many trials and sufferings in this life. Paul, when he went around, went around to the early churches, his discipleship 101 course was, and let me teach you, but how much you will suffer before you enter glory. It will be hard. It's a fight. But your father never leaves you. And he's proven it by sending his son. But it's risky, isn't it, to trust God this way? And I think this is one of the things I was chewing on is that what's hard about this passage, if we really wrestle with it, is that there's probably potentially a little piece of us that has this hidden question, but what if I trust God and he fails? What if I let go of my treasure and hold on with both hands and he drops me? Isn't it more comfortable not to risk to just have a relationship with God where I don't risk really trusting him because then I won't risk disappointments. It's hard. But Jesus says it's worth it. It's worth it to let go and trust him. Not as a blind leap of faith, but because you're looking around and you're seeing how faithful God is in this world, in human history, in Jesus, and saying there's enough evidence to warrant Letting go and trusting my Father to provide. And here's the thing. He might not deliver what you want. He might not provide the way you want. He might actually take away your treasure. Because he knows it's not good for you. But he will never leave you. And he will always provide what you need. And maybe what you need is not even what you know to ask for at this point. But he'll walk with you. He'll care for you, and you will not be alone. I love this one song called I Will Follow, where the John Guare, the writer, says this in the course. I believe everything that you say you are. I believe that I have seen your unchanging heart. So in the good things and in the hardest parts, I believe and I will follow you. I believe, I'll follow, I'll trust you, God, because I've seen his unchanging heart. That's the remedy to anxiety. Seeing the heart of the Father and knowing he cares. And so I want to finish by asking this question. How do you view the Father? What is your relationship with him? Some of you this morning are spiritual orphans. You're living for yourself by your own strength. You've never actually really trusted in Jesus really to save and deliver and to bring you into God's family. And you know exactly what Jesus is talking about with anxiety because you feel it, you live it. And today, Jesus wants to invite you and say, your father is waiting with open arms. Jesus paid the price to bring you home just call out to him, run to him. Others of you this morning, 
are followers of Jesus. You've trusted him. You are a child. That's true of you. But if you're honest, deep down, you still live like an orphan. You know you're a child, but practically there's a corner of your heart that says, yeah, but I'm actually alone. I've got to fend for myself. I'm not really sure if God will provide. I'm not really sure if he really loves me. And you practically are depending on yourself. And this morning, again, your father wants to say, you're not alone. That's a lie. You're not an orphan. You're a beloved child just because of Jesus. Come to me as you are. I've got open arms for you. I'm waiting. Trust me. I'll provide for you. That's the invitation of the Father this morning. And Jesus says, you're only going to be able to trust the Father and run to him when you look around and see his care. When you see it in Jesus and say, that's where my faith rests. So I'm going to run. I'm going to run to my Father because I'm not an orphan. I'm going to trust him. And in trusting him, we'll find that there is grace and hope and peace in the midst of whatever we face. It's for our good and for God's glory. Let me pray. Father, you made us to be your children, to know you and to love you and walk with you. And yet, from the very beginning, there has been an enemy who has wanted to speak the lie that you are not a loving father, that you are not out to provide for us, but you actually withhold good things from us. Even though you are the giver of every good gift, that we are tempted to believe the opposite. And I just pray this morning that in whatever hearts that lie resides, that you would banish it with the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Then seeing Jesus crucified, buried, raised again to new life, we would see that you care that every heart here in whatever place, circumstance they find themselves would run to you and find you to be a good father. Pray this in your name.